0: I fall in love just a little, oh, little bit Every day with
1: someone new I fall in love just a little, oh, little bit Every day with someone new You're listening to Remodeled, the podcast. Remodeled is a project whose goal is to expand the cultural narrative on healthy relationships in order to include ethical non-monogamy, non-partnered, asexual, open, and more. We are here to redefine love. I fall in love just a little, oh, little
0: bit Every day with someone new I fall in love just a little, oh, a little bit Every day with someone
1: new Hey everyone and welcome back to Remodeled, the podcast. I am your polyamorous mama, Jessica Levity, day Lover and with me as always, the marshmallow to my hochos <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Daylover.
0: The law to your order.
1: Oh, dun dun! <laughs> we are on a Law and Order kick right now. Um, okay, so let's do a quick check in. It's been a minute since we've done like um a dual episode because I've been off on my own doing interviews and stuff and I feel like the people are wanting a check-in with the day lovers.
0: Absolutely it feels like it's been some time and i had been into a really good groove doing the podcast when we first started it and then of course circumstances changed with the birth of our second child and so I've had to you know with our scheduling and childcare needs we've had to kind of just go a little bit more rogue with it.
1: Yeah, totally. Well, and once we released the reins that you had to be on every episode, it allowed me to go off and create a lot of content I wouldn't have been able to create if we had insisted on keeping that format. So I appreciate the polyamorous nature of...
0: Just trying to survive in this capitalist mofo, you know?
1: Well, and like also... We, you know we turned our recording studio into a nursery and by turned into a nursery i mean we literally put a crib in our recording studio <laughs> and that's it so we can't you know we can only record now at my co workspace, which has been an amazing evolutionary upgrade um but it also means that you know we can only record here so
0: at this present time yes
1: um yeah quick check-in uh we're almost at 10k on instagram
0: Pretty dang good.
1: Um, We're almost at the year mark of launching this podcast, so our year anniversary of the podcast and the page will be December 28th, I think.
0: Is that correct?
1: Yeah. So, um, we hit 20,000 downloads... So that's so exciting. Um, Over 45 countries, I think, now listening to this podcast. And we've hit 55,000 on TikTok. I know that those numbers mean nothing to you (laughs) because you're not on social media. But
0: No, it's a very big deal. I'm glad that it reaches so many people. And, of course, all the fan mail all the time is just really awesome to get.
1: Yeah. So this episode is probably going to be one of our single most important episodes along with the episodes that kicked off this podcast, um, which was our polyamory story, episodes one and two in season one. And um, I teased this on Friday on our Instagram saying that the day lovers are coming out that we had a coming out to make and then I made sure to add like no we're not pregnant we're way too tired for that (laughs) and no we're not getting divorced we're way too in love and also domestically codependent for
0: that (laughs) but it didn't true true true
1: but it didn't feel like an announcement you know it didn't feel like it it feels like a coming out
0: I agree that it definitely has that I, I think given what it is and represents in the larger culture, it feels that way.
1: And the reason that we're coming out um, is because one, I think our coming out that we're about to do fits our mission to expand the cultural narrative around healthy relationships and polyamory. And it expands uh, the semiology around, you know, we have our mission is to redefine love and redefine family. And now I think we're about to redefine marriage.
0: Yeah, I mean, all of it's really exciting and, you know, a little scary for me at the same time. But a lot of that, like we talk about here on the podcast, is just kind of me butting up against that cultural programming.
1: I love you so much. Okay, so here's the coming out. So a few years, a few years ago, God, a few months ago, I came to you and I came out to you that I felt that my love for you had evolved into an asexual love. How did that land in your world? We were standing in the kitchen. I told you that my love for you was asexual and that it had been for a while and that I had been scared to tell you and that I needed to tell you in that moment. How did that land in your world?
0: Well, I think, you know, multi-layered. Is an answer like that? <clears throat> I don't know why I just responded like Yoda. <laughs> Multilayered. This response must be. <laughs> but that no, that is that is very much it. You know, obviously, as a as a male in our culture, there's a certain entitlement that comes with mm. with sex as kind of the basis or I guess one of the major components of a domestic relationship partnership. And so that expectation, I think, you know, had me feeling kind of robbed and maybe kicked out or isolated, unwanted, you know, all of those fun things that come up in the face of when someone draws that kind of a boundary. Mm. I think that this was certainly no exception. I think it was a little bit easier for me to hear because at the same time, it was also easy for me to hear because realistically, we had, you know, our sexual activity hadn't been that frequent or consistent for some time. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, we were pr- pretty much already there, I guess, just we hadn't really put a name to it or stated that boundary in that way. So, I think it was also kind of easier to accept in the greater context of our whole relationship so those two things are what stand out to me as far as how I landed obviously it was difficult obviously it was tough and I dealt with all of those difficult and negative feelings that I mentioned but it was also in a in a sense liberating too as well to kind of just realize that that is where it is and though I still, at the time, kind of desired or at least wanted to try to continue that with you. It just, it also felt freeing to kind of just let it go. And, and being polyamorous, I can go seek that out in other partners. And, um, you know, we can still have all of the same elements of the relationship that we've always had.
1: Mm. So... Yeah, you know, in one clarity I, I saw from you I said do you still desire me sexually because I wasn't sure and you said yes and so I felt I felt bad in that moment um, like it would have been a relief to me if you had said no but then again maybe it would have made me feel like oh like maybe I would have felt those things as well but I wasn't focused so much on that what I was focused on was telling the truth about myself and it did feel very similar to coming out to you as polyamorous and coming out earlier in my life as queer, um, it had the same feeling to me. I felt I felt closeted because I knew for longer than before. I told you, and then I felt fear. I felt the culture wouldn't accept me. My current partner wouldn't accept me. I even felt like some of my friends. Not that they wouldn't accept me, but that they would challenge that there was something wrong with me, that maybe I just needed therapy, or maybe we needed to go to couples counseling, or we needed to find ways to like stimulate it. Whereas I'm very sure, I'm not saying it's forever, but I'm very sure of the energy that I was feeling. But I was also awakening to my own placement on the asexual spectrum in the first place. Like that's an awakening that happened also a year ago on our podcast in episode seven with your long-distance partner, Lore. So I've been awakening to my own placement on the asexual spectrum. And so, like, there was all these things playing in. But I do want to tell kind of a funny story.
0: <laughs> so, like, when
1: I told Joe, we were
0: standing
1: we were standing in the kitchen. It didn't go well. I was actually very grounded. Like, I was moving through a little bit of guilt and, like, I was taking some, like, you know how we're like, okay, whatever. When I tell the truth about myself, the things that come up, for you are are not mine to hold, they're yours. I felt mostly like 80% in that place, but 20% I was just feeling like I had hurt you. But I was mostly grounded and Joe got very upset, you know, and was working through emotions in real time. Like I came out and then he had a lot of feelings and he not stormed off, but you you know emotionally exited into the backyard and i could see him out there pacing and like picking stuff up and putting stuff down
0: i don't remember this at all <laughs>
1: and then he and then he came back in and he was like so who's supposed to throw your your birthday parties now? What? Is that how it happened? <laughs> yes, you came back in the kitchen and you were and you were really upset and you're like, well I have a question. So who's <laughs> so who's supposed to throw your birthday parties now? And I was like, what the hell are you talking about? And you're like, well obviously the person you're having the best sex with is who's supposed to throw your birthday parties. Am I supposed to just give up that role? And I was like, have you been only throwing my birthday parties for the last 12 years because I was fucking you?
0: I don't think I used exactly that kind of verbiage. But yeah, I I don't know. For some reason in my mind, the throwing of your birthday parties seemed anchor partner related. And I guess one of the initial ways I responded to this thing, which wasn't ultimately how I felt, was that moving to an asexual space meant a kind of a downgrading yes of our of what we were to each other as kind of a you know we're working through our hierarchy but at the same time you know that primary status label I think it felt like a click or two had come down from that initially it, it has since <laughs> yeah. gone the other way I'm happy to report of course
1: because I still very much see you as my anchor partner. And so, yeah, but me saying, have you only been throwing my birthday parties for the last 12 years because I was fucking you, like, it, it brought you online because I watched the statement land in your world, and then you smiled, and then you laughed, and then it's like, because you're not an asshole, you allowed me saying that to be like, oh... Yeah, like you allowed it to be the thing that sort of brought you back, <laughs> and you Weird. were like, "Yeah," you were like, "I don't know why I said that," and then I watched you sort of reflect on how ridiculous <laughs> that was. I don't
0: know why I'm finding it so <laughs> hilarious.
1: It's so right, funny. I think it's a right hilarious now.
0: story. And update, right now I am currently planning your birthday party, which
1: is next week. That's right. I'm a November thirtieth baby. I'm a Sagittarius, if you can't tell. Um, Yeah, and you love to throw my birthday parties. That was the most insane thing to me, because I was like, I don't want anyone else to throw my parties, especially who I'm having sex with. Those guys usually suck.
0: Yeah, no, I'm great at it. You know, I'm like Jim Carrey and Yes Man, like I'll throw the best fucking party. You know what I mean? See,
1: exactly. Okay, so are you on the other side of that feeling? Where are you at now? And can you describe how you got there and the emotions you had to go through, not repeat anything you've already said but clarifying if there's more because again we're coming out because I think a lot of people are going to resonate with this and I want you to be able to reach the hearts of especially other cis men and marriages where maybe the wife is coming out as asexual to, to them I'm not asexual I still desire sex with other people um, and I think that's especially a stabby thing.
0: What was the question?
1: How did you get to the other side of that? I mean, you were pretty mad for that day. And then you pulled through it really fucking quickly, to be honest.
0: Yeah, I don't know. I think just kind of thinking through it more. <clears throat> and just realizing more that's what it had been and that it could change. And that, you know, this could free up space for other relationships and for us to also dismantle hierarchy because it seemed like that is where to the extent that we're able to when we have kids
1: especially young kids
0: especially little ass kids like we got who are high needs at the moment there's just going to be naturally descriptive hierarchy there but to the extent that we're able to dismantle hierarchy around that then I think this was a positive move in that direction, ultimately.
1: I think one of the conversations that really pulled you through, because we talked a lot about it, um, is something I'm going to get to later in the episode, which was the list... Uh, the cat, the way, the categories that I see our love in and our marriage in, and I broke those down into I think six categories, and we had this really powerful conversation where I laid out those categories for you and explained like why you're still my my person is because of the way we are compatible in all the other categories in such a rare way, and I remember you being like, "Wow, yeah, we're gonna get to that later."
0: Yeah, I mean, I keep finding out that none of my other current or other partners hate capitalism as much as you do.
1: See? Okay, so um, I want to give a couple disclaimers before we continue. Um, The the name of this episode, I believe I'm going to call it something like Our Evolution into a Beautiful Asexual Polyamorous Marriage. And the reason I'm calling it Evolved is because that word seems beautiful to me and there's a lot of cultural semiology around sex and marriage and a lot of people and I'm definitely afraid to take this to TikTok because I know TikTok uh, the the non-fan side of us of TikTok um, has a lot of feelings about our marriage and I can see them even people who support us have been like, oh, that's so sad. And I just, no, fuck you. I have some more things to say about the people who call it sad later. Um, and so I'm calling it evolved because I do think that is what we are doing. Um, another disclaimer is I feel like there are going to be a lot of folks who resonate with where we're at. And I'm in the next part of this podcast, I'm going to give a list of factors that play into how I think we evolved. this. And I want to emphasize, if you resonate with only one of the reasons that I think that we have evolved to this, or even none, your journey and your reality is still valid and still healthy if you feel it is. So the way my brain works is I like, I'm kind of an engineer about reality. And I like to break things down sometimes sometimes too much so. And for some people, my emphasis on details is actually something that makes them feel imprisoned. And my love of details is something that sets me free. So of course, I have already analyzed the nature of our relationship and come here and feel like um, I want to give those reasons because I think... They're beautiful and I think they'll resonate with a lot of people, but I want to emphasize if you are listening to this and you're like, oh my God, I'm in a marriage and I feel an asexual attraction to my partner, but I still deeply love them. And then just listed all of the reasons that she thinks are contributing factors to her asexual attraction to her partner, but none of those resonate with me. You're still valid. These are just my reasons. That's disclaimer number two. And disclaimer number three. This does not apply to all polyamorous folks. I can hear it right now. People being like, oh, so you're only poly because you don't desire sex with each other anymore. Blah, 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 blah. Like, no. No. It's honestly just a coincidence. Like, we're polyamorous because it's the nature of who we are at our core. And we, we've been polyamorous for eight, almost nine years. And our polyamory has so much more to do with the way that we love. And for me... It's not like my polyamory, polyamory is not connected to my sexual attraction in this world. It's connected to how I love. Um, but I will say that our polyamory is what makes it easily to stay happily married and cohabitating in an asexual relationship because I think without that, this is where other couples would get divorced. I think if, because, so if you are asexual just in general and don't desire sex, Um, With anyone or at least your the importance of sex in your life because some asexual people do desire sex with their partners But let's say there are two Asexual people in a marriage and they're very content with that sex isn't that important to the marriage then fine If one person is asexual and the other person isn't there's some negotiation that needs to happen in this case my attraction to you is currently asexual and if we were monogamous that would be a problem for both of us because one I desire sex with other people and two so do you so I we are not polyamorous because of the asexual nature of our relationship but the polyamorous nature of our relationship is what makes us able to stay married does that make sense
0: yes no it's more of like what supports it
1: yes and what makes it you know, if you are a monogamous person, this is the point where you should get divorced because you deserve a happy, healthy sex life. Um, and you shouldn't try to be polyamorous if you're not polyamorous because it's going to be toxic. Um, but I think for us, like we're still very much in love and still very much aligned in all the other categories I'm going to talk about later. So like, I think polyamory is the thing that makes us able to Basically, be relationship anarchists because we are defining our relationship how we want it defined regardless of the fucking cultural narrative or relationship escalator. So those are my three disclaimers. Okay, moving right along. So now I'm going to get to the recipe of how how I think we evolved to this. Um, Number one. And I want to say I love you because I know that this part is super <laughs> I know that this part this is
0: the part earlier I was like ugh <laughs> God.
1: I want to give all props to Mr. Daylover right yeah. now because this is this next part is going to be super vulnerable and I think I'm just so deeply in love with you and I think that you really are like oh, it's going to make me emotional I think that you're a leader for men
0: I hate this
1: do you want to stop?
0: no I'm just no
1: um, if you're listening to this on our podcast right now, I'm also recording video. So um, if you want to watch the vulnerability that's happening right now, I think the video is going to show a whole different piece of what's happening right now. So um, this next share, the recipe of how of the asexual nature of our relationship, I think is going to be the most vulnerable share of this whole thing. So number one, um, I don't think that we were ever sexually compatible um, and I've known that for a really long time because I've been a very sexual person my whole life and have had a lot of different kind of sex before I met you. And you talked about uh, in season one during your narrative episode that you are a late bloomer. And so I just don't think that you were as aware of the lack of compatibility um, as I was. I am and have always been and I'm just now uncovering in a conscious way that I'm extremely kinky to the point that I have trouble uh, connecting sexually to non-kinky people and I didn't know that was a thing and in fact I have a lot of internalized shame around my kinkiness um, and didn't didn't know that literally kink is a whole world that you can fucking like live in if you wanted to and so I desire certain flavors of sexual partners that have not previously been who you were. And I did make the effort early on to try to stimulate it. Um, so for the people being like, you guys should go to like counseling and you guys should like make an effort. Like the effort was made. We have been together for 12 whole ass years. Like the effort was made. Um, I made the effort to try to stimulate that chemistry, but ultimately, like in the least judgmental way possible, it's like, for example, two bottoms trying to be together and sure one bottom can top in order to have sex, but like, should they have to, if both people are bottoms and I'm not saying we're both bottoms, this is purely an analogy. If both people are bottoms at the end of the day, they're not compatible. Um... But I think I tried to stimulate that chemistry at a time where you weren't ready for it. And that resulted in a lot of trauma for me because your reactions to my attempts to create the dynamic that I desired for connection was ultimately not sex positive. So when I would try to stimulate a kinky connection, that freaked you out. Um, And you shut me down in a way that made me feel really... Like it, it caused more internalization of the kink shame I already had, um, and it shut me down. And I don't blame you for this, but this is the reality of those early years.
0: Yeah, so here we come to the ugh, part of this for me, and so I wouldn't, I, I, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't really challenge you on much of any of that, really. I mean, it's all pretty much true.
1: You just didn't know you had a poor sex education. You identified as a late bloomer, and so when I pitched a lot of different things, it made you uncomfortable.
0: Yeah, well, and a lot of this, I think, is just within the larger backdrop of I never, I until only recently, I was not aware that my sexuality was something I had to figure out. Like, I just sort of took it for granted, I guess. I don't know, and that's just a part of the the dominant narratives that I got sucked up into, and so. I don't really know where I'm going with any of that.
1: Well, what is the feeling? Are you feeling embarrassed because you're a man uh, and you're supposed to like...
0: Yeah, totally. 100% I'm feeling embarrassed um, and feeling like uh, just juvenile, I guess, in my sexual expression. And...
1: If I had not had internalized shame, I may have been able to stand in my power a little better 12 years ago. And um, I, if I had been woke to myself and to everything, I would have been able to not internalize the shame that was kind of thrown at me and been able to assess a lot earlier, like, oh, this is simply a compatibility thing. Um, but that's not what happened. Um, That's number one. Number two is I'm demisexual. Um, The culturally accepted definition of demisexuality is someone who cannot experience sexual attraction to someone. Come here. You're out of the video. Yeah. Okay. You can be out of the video. I don't want to be in the video. All right. He doesn't want to be in the video. Um, Somebody who doesn't want, somebody who can't experience sexual attraction to someone without an emotional attraction. So as a demisexual, most people would be like, oh, well, you have an emotional attraction to Joe or emotional connection to Joe. Therefore, you should be able to have a sexual connection. And my deminess is the fact that sometimes I am simply, I don't experience sexual attraction to people that even I'm emotionally connected to. And I really fucking wish that I would. There are a lot of amazing people in my life that I am romantically in love with Joe being one of them that I do not experience sexual attraction to
0: and I here I would come in this is a place where I think it was helpful understanding that a lot of this was couched within your demisexuality and under the dawning of that realization and that what you were looking for was something very specific and so that kind of made me think about it in a more neutral way, if that makes sense.
1: No, I'm glad. And if you're listening to this and you're not a demisexual and you're still experiencing a loss of sexual attraction to your husband, wife, anchor partner, baby daddy, baby mama, you're still valid. In this case, I do think my demisexuality is at play and I'm glad and that and relieved that you were able to embody that in a way that took this shame off of you
0: yeah yeah and and seeing it as more of a numbers game and probability thing quite honestly when you're looking for something very specific i think my desires are more broad than yours are generally
1: yeah well you definitely you're not demisexual and so you connect well you're semi demi
0: (laughs) (laughs) maybe that's it i like that yeah semi-demi you're the
1: one who came up with that did I? Yeah, that's one of It's a very viral tweet of ours. He doesn't even know the content that we make. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, because I asked you if you were demisexual, and then you said, yeah, kind of. And I said, so you're semi demi? And anyway, a lot of people relate to the semi demi.
0: I think I trend demi.
1: Trend demi?
0: Yeah, is that. I think it's just naturally going to flow that way if I'm spending portions of time with you, you know what I mean? With any, totally. With any regularity, it's probably going to go that way, but. But at the same time...
1: But you can have sex with anyone that you're just attracted to.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: Um, okay, number three is the nature of long-term relationships. I do think there's something kind of sad about and tragic about the way that our culture has normalized a loss of sexual connection in long-term relationships. We see it in sitcoms a lot. Or in, in comedy a lot where jokes are being made about how once you get married, married, there's no more sex. And like, that makes me sad. We probably shouldn't normalize that. We should probably be creating different narratives for people to explore sexuality outside of one relationship so that that doesn't become just a normal thing and then people end up accepting it because it is seen as culturally normal rather than challenging it, Make finding ways to keep things spicy and or exploring elsewhere like so that is annoying and gross and probably toxic that our culture has done that but at the same time there's obviously something to it if it has become a stereotypical joke of long-term relationships especially marriages you know what i mean
0: yeah yeah there's just so much expectation packed into that and so that initial layer of shame had a lot to do with feeling as though i had kind of let something down
1: Well, No, the expectation is that sex does die in long-term relationships.
0: Oh, yes. I suppose it's kind of the doing something about
1: it. Oh, I see what you're saying. Um, Number four is when you combine number three, so the nature of long-term relationships, seems to be that a lot of people experience a loss of sexual attraction um, plus... I literally birthed two of your children. And I feel like it's very probable that there is something simply biological and evolutionary about sexual attraction changing after bearing someone's children. Now I am not making a universal claim, like, cause I can already hear people right now, like, well, I had five of my husband's kids and we are still hot in the bedroom. Like, great, cool. You're probably the outlier. I'm simply saying I wouldn't be surprised if nature and evolution was like, hey, you already procreated with this person. And it's better for the evolution of the species if you had sexual desires for other people. So we're going to go ahead and turn off the desire for this connection. Like, doesn't that make sense?
0: Um, I don't know. I mean, it just sounds like a lot of speculation, but I think there is a high correlation between long-term relationships and them trending more asexual
1: but we know that evolutionarily evolution desires diversity we know that and so it makes sense that once you bear someone's children there is probably a biological urge to like desire sex elsewhere
0: yeah i'm saying probably yeah i'm i'm not discounting what you're saying there but i'm you know i don't know what that's For sure.
1: Well, these are all (laughs) speculations. Yes,
0: totally. (laughs) So I guess, what do you think of these speculations? Well, they sound like nice speculations.
1: (laughs) Um, Okay, and number five. You've identified as a late bloomer, we've talked about that, so I would say you've only very recently, you're only recently blossoming into your sexuality and I think that that's going to continue. And so the nature of our long-term relationship slash the nature of our chemistry kind of always not really being there is such that I think other people are going to be able to pull certain aspects of your sexuality out of you that I was never able to pull out and that's already happening.
0: And that's already happened before, so it just kind of is a continuation of where we've been, quite honestly. And so, I think that was also a piece that helped me early on work through some of the some of the more difficult emotions and reactions that I had. Was realizing that it kind of opened up potential in that way, even though even though us having a sexual relationship did nothing to harm that. I don't know, it just felt I, I think letting go of that piece in us just felt symbolic of that or and very real in that direction as well.
1: Totally. Well, like and yes, it has been there the whole time because we've been in threesomes years ago where a side of you came out that I was like, Who the fuck is that? And like there's a part of me that's like bitter that like how come how come I don't bring that out? But at the same time, I don't that's just the reality. Um this is kind of weird but this is what my brain thinks of like you know how like in long term like relationships especially marriages like there's just things that you can't do together like I'm thinking of this time I tried to get you to teach me a song on the piano and I was like 2 minutes in and I was just like stop it like I can't and we were fighting and I was like annoyed and everything you said annoyed me and all of my frustration annoyed you I feel like it's kind of like that like you know sex is a very ego like there's a lot of ego and fear and shame involved and so if any of that is present you go to you know pull something out of a partner that they might be having feelings around the fact that they're not already there. You know, it can just create a lot of power dynamics that are unhealthy. And so I think that you're about to start having the best sex of your life and continue to do so. And I'm seeing that in some of the other partners you're attracting right now. And I think that you will realize that we were never really that compatible.
0: As if I don't realize that currently.
1: Um, I think it will land differently is all I'm saying because beforehand you didn't have the the experience to compare it to.
0: Well, I don't know if that's entirely accurate but yes um, to an extent I think I, and, well and yeah, I think all of those things are true that i it helped open up this pathway this direction for me that I couldn't see at the time mm well, I guess I know I guess I could because that was that was kind of helping me through was recognizing as hard as it was, this was going to get me to where I wanted to be. It just I had to let go of it wasn't going to be there with you. And so that, that was a process.
1: I bet. I think that a lot of people are like, well, I just don't understand why you got married or why you stayed together. And like the truth is, if you I think we talk about it in season one that I met you, we were friends. I had a vision that I was to have your children. And I knew the moment I had the vision that that vision was true. And, you know, I think the nature of NRE stimulated sexual chemistry early on. Like NRE carried the illusion of a sexual chemistry that ultimately didn't last beyond the NRE. So like in the beginning, it was fun. And I we are just so well paired and in love that I never questioned... Like leaving, like I, that wasn't a reason to end it for me. Okay, we're going to take a super quick break. Um, and when we get back, uh, we're going to answer the question of why stay married? Because I am already anticipating how much we're going to be asked this. And of course, I have a list of answers because <laughs> that's how my brain works. And hopefully Joe's going to come back on video for this next part. Hey friends, this is Jessica Levity Day Lover, reminding you that you are not alone on the polyamorous path. If you're looking for peer support or coaching on your non-monogamous journey and you want to work with the day lovers, head to remodeledlove.com and book with us today. And we're back to Remodeled Love. Um, We are talking about, uh, we've just come out as evolving into a beautiful polyamorous asexual marriage. And I'm anticipating a lot of people saying, why stay married? And sometimes it's asked very innocently and curiously. And sometimes it's asked very fucking indignantly. And there's a part of me that's like bitter um, about this about the nature of our relationship, even though I do believe that our higher power has is calling us to to live this so that we can give permission to others to redefine love and marriage and family for themselves. But I just know that so many haters of our marriage and polyamory in general are going to be like, why stay married, you dumb fucks? And it's just like, like, it's almost like we'd be proving them wrong if we were having the best sex with each other and amazing sex with other people.
0: Or if we had really amazing sex, but we were terrible domestic partners. (laughs) And I was a bad father.
1: Yes, that's totally fine. Yeah, see, exactly. And there are a lot of polyamorous, healthy, amazing polyamorous people who are still having the most amazing sexual connections with their nesting anchor partner, baby daddy husband, whatever. We are our own Example of another way to love. So please do not project our story. When you see a polyamorous couple, please do not project, well, they're just having bad sex and we're not having bad sex, so we can't be polyamorous, okay, babe? Like, don't do that. Um... Well,
0: and well, I, would, I think this is a good moment to put to put in there that 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 did bring up a very real question for me. And I remember you ever you did have clarity around your feelings when you had that initial conversation with me in the kitchen. And one of the questions you put to me, which I was not even ready to answer or even think about, was, "Well, do you desire is sex that is that a deal breaker to you to have in your domestic partnership relationship?" And I had to think about that. And for me, this was an example of something we would tell our clients where it's something I want, but at the same time, it's negotiable. And this is something that, you know, I can fulfill elsewhere. And so it's worth it for me to stay in the domestic partnership relationship that we have that is so good. So would I like sex in my domestic life? Yes, but that can be had in other ways. So it's not a deal breaker component, if that makes sense. And so I I say this also because I don't want to downplay this very important, crucial point of That's something you have to ask. Is is that something you want inside of your nesting relationship partnership? And can you be in an in an asexual relationship with your nesting partner? Is that even possible? I think these are very real questions you have to ask.
1: And it's totally valid if you can't. And I feel like you're not being authentically married or authentically in relationship with someone if you are not constantly willing to face and negotiate the end of your relationship. So when I came out to you. I said, I feel an asexual attraction to you. I have, and I, I mean, that came with admitting that I have been having sex, not against my will, but out of a place that I didn't want to. And I just don't want to do that anymore. Not just with you, like as a demisexual in my life, I have been having a lot of sex that I didn't really want to have. And I don't want to do that anymore, including even in my marriage. And so I told you, i don't desire sex in our marriage currently i'm going to start honoring that for myself and it's not a deal breaker for me to be in a relationship with you i still desire to be married to you and cohabitate and have you as an anchor partner and i was willing to say if if that's not okay with you if you want to be married slash nested slash anchored to someone that you are having consistent great sex with then that means we're not compatible and we have to now negotiate the end of our relationship. And so we did lay it out there on the line in a very loving way.
0: Yeah. And, and, and you it,
1: ultimately came to the conclusion that you were fine with it.
0: Yes. So again, an example of something that I wanted, but is can be negotiated. And that is one of the many benefits that comes with polyamory is that it it supports this lifestyle of being able to continue to redefine relationships as mm. they as they evolve
1: i also meant to throw in this t- disclaimer i can hear it right now that people are going to blame polyamory on my loss of sexual or the perception of my loss of sexual um, attraction to this in this relationship and i'm telling you right now fuck you that's not true and i I am anticipating it to the point of I can feel anger in my body of people being like, see, His, we get TikTok comments like this right now. Like when a video of ours goes viral and makes it to the wrong side of TikTok, they'll be like, you're going to regret letting him have other girlfriends when he comes home and doesn't desire you anymore. And so like, I know that people are going to use this story to believe that that's true and It's just not. I mean, maybe for someone, I'm not going to say a universal statement. Maybe for someone, the pursuit of sex with other people would lessen their sexual attraction to their, you know, nested anchor partner, whatever, probably because they're monogamous. Like if you're monogamous and you have sex with other people, your brain might turn off sexual attraction elsewhere, but we're polyamorous. I experience sexual attraction to multiple people all the time. It has nothing to do with our marriage. Okay back on track um so why stay married one because we're still in love so as a demisexual especially as a polyamorous demisexual sex is not the most important part of a relationship for me in fact I tend to experience the most sexual attraction with folks with whom I could never sustain a long-term relationship with let alone be married to and grow a family with so I personally Would much rather be married and nested with my best romantic partner and explore sex elsewhere.
0: Yeah, I think this might be one of the moments where I kind of blanch a little bit.
1: Blanch meaning? Uh,
0: Or just sort of um, bristle, I suppose, at some of it. Because it feels like sometimes that kind of language can feel self-fulfilling. I think that's kind of where I was getting hung up a little bit earlier at the same time I do not deny that that is your experience
1: it's my experience so far and I appreciate the note that I shouldn't should make sure to not self-fulfill that in fact I am getting ready to explore a new connection right now with another polyam content creator which is very (laughs) exciting and um, this person is very healthy and very woke (laughs) so um, I am definitely like oh I probably won't feel sexual attraction to them Mm um but i am staying open like i'm on this growth path right now where i'm like hey i would really like that to not be my narrative if that's a piece of programming in me that i'm attracting i'm open to ending that but thus far my most sexual attractive partners have been people that i have had the illusion would be long-term relationships super fire hot amazing sex and then they've always turned out to not be long-term and most of them have actually been quite toxic
0: yeah like we said you know we're we're pointing out some correlations here but they're not they're not end-all alls.
1: but at the end of the day i would much rather be married to someone that i have can the best romantic connection with. But also I'm a demisexual. If you are megasexual or allosexual, meaning uh, allosexual meaning the, the statistically typical sexual, the way people experience sexual attraction. So there's asexual, there's demisexual, there's allosexual right in the middle, and then megasexual all the way to the right of that. If you're allo or megasexual, sexual attraction might be the most important part of a nested anchor marriage relationship for you.
0: Yeah, these are important points that we want to make sure to put out there.
1: It's just for me, it's not. Um, Okay, this is perfect segue. So I see my relationship with Joe in six categories. And this is the conversation we had that I felt like really pulled Joe through to being comfortable with this evolution and ultimately deciding to stay opted into our relationship. So the six categories that I see Joe and I's relationship in are domestic, romantic, emotional, spiritual, political, sexual, and pop culturally. (laughs) (laughs) So defining those really quick. So domestic is the way that we live together, the way that we are able to cohabitate in a way that is not only survivally, um, convenient to both of us, but, but in a way that we thrive, like I don't desire a lot of alone time. I desire alone time away from our kids, but I don't very much desire alone time away from you. I, I love to be around you, um, and to live with you in the way that we, um, are very, compatible in the way that we live together and you make me coffee in the morning and I manage the household and finances and just it's very I would say 90% compatible Um, I'm a little messier than Joe and so I'm giving it a 90% Um, (laughs) romantic romantic I would say that we're 100% compatible and the way that we are romantic. Joe writes me a sonnet every year on my birthday. <laughs> I get Joe the most incredible birthday gifts and Christmas gifts and we just, we love to go on dates. We love to do the same things on dates. We cuddle every night. We do a, we're very physically intimate. So a lot of massaging and touching and kissing and, um, but not very sexual kissing, more just like romantic. Um, Emotionally, we are 100% aligned. Um, Spiritually, 120% aligned, (laughs) like 1,000% aligned. Politically, 1,000% aligned. And this is something we both, we've both been, we're both radical left, anti-capitalist, land back, anti-racist. Like, we are very politically aligned and we have been dating partners who are liberal maybe even progressive, but like they don't take the stances we take and we don't get it. And it's frustrating because we're like, you own property and you charge other people to live there. <laughs> like We just isolated so much of our audience just now. Look, if you're surviving capitalism by being a landlord, fine. But just admit that it's problematic. That's all we're saying. That's all we're saying. But um, we are politically aligned. Um, Pop culturally, look. Joe and I are aligned along the pop culture spectrum exactly. We both don't get most jokes people make. We haven't seen the show. We haven't seen that movie. We aren't listening to that podcast. We don't know that comedian. And we are going to walk out of the, the, the latest Mad Max movie and sit in the lobby <laughs> Because I couldn't do it. I fucking couldn't do it. And Joe is I the could o- not either. Joe is the only person on this planet. We were it was for a friend's birthday party. Every, so we
0: couldn't just walk out and leave. Every,
1: yeah, we couldn't just leave everyone else. He wanted everyone to see this movie. So it's like twenty of our friends were there watching Mad Max. This is like what, eight years ago? Mm. And I look at you like 30 minutes in realizing that the entire movie is this and i just like i look at joe and i'm like i can't do it nini we call each other nini like i was like i can't i can't do it nini and he's like i can't do it either and so we went out and sat in the lobby and ate fucking popcorn and waited for the movie to be over and he is the only person on this planet that would have understood that
0: And to be clear, I have never, ever walked out on a movie before. Let me just put that out
1: there. We like the same shows. We like the same (laughs) movies. We hate the same shows. We hate the same movies. Like, we listen to the same music, and we hate horror films. Like Universally. We just have the exact same taste, and so we're able to make jokes and get each other's jokes and also understand, like, oh, no, Joe and I won't be coming to that movie. He would hate that movie. Like, we just... (laughs) We're so aligned, and so I would say the odds of me finding a partner who is pretty much a hundred percent aligned in all those other categories um, is so fucking non-existent. I'm gonna say impossible. That pretty I
0: hard, yeah. And so laid out like that, it was it was really hard to. <laughs> look away from the truth of the situation and I think what really helped I don't know if you remember this but I think you had related all of these different things to the chakras and how Mm. and the one that really reeled me in as I recall was talking about how this is one thing that we that we share is how we express and create things
1: God, art, add artistically to that too. I can't believe I left off artistic. We are so artistically aligned.
0: Yeah, totally. I mean, so it's just, I think that's just kind of taken for a given so you didn't even think about it. <laughs> but yes, so we, we create things together. This isn't our only project thing that we've done. We've had numerous others across the 12 years of our relationship. And so I forget that that's uh, that that's really cool, you know, because it just is.
1: It just is. And I just feel like, look, people are going to be like, oh, you guys have an asexual marriage? That's so sad. And, like, please don't do that. It might be sad to you, for you, but it's not sad to me. And you know what it makes me think of? So, like, I have been involved in... spiritual women's groups for most of my adult life and the first thing i did when i moved to reno was i joined this really fucking cool spiritual group called uh, the moon sisters it was half kabbalist pre- uh, principles uh, we met monthly and we opened ceremony and th- the principles that made up this group were half Kabbalists, so jewish mystics and half like uh, uh indigenous mystic wisdom right this is like literally my dream type of group. And I you would pick me up from these groups. And I would tell you that all of the women in the groups would share that their husbands didn't understand them spiritually. They were all like atheists. And they would be like, have fun at your moon thing. And like they didn't understand their faith, their relationship to their higher power, their need for ceremony and ritual, their love of crystals. And I was like how are you married to someone who doesn't align with your faith? In theory, I could come to you and be like, you're married to someone you have great sex with, but who doesn't understand your faith? That's so sad.
0: Well, and all of this is serving to underscore just how much people don't understand asexuality and are already conflating that with something that is less desired or somehow a downgrading of the experience you should be having.
1: Oh, Amosy, I love you. Yes, exactly. Like for you it might be sad to be married to someone that you don't have a sexual chemistry with. For me It would be sad to be married to someone who didn't, not only didn't understand my faith and feel the same way about their faith, but love me for my faith. Like Joe tells me all the time that his favorite thing about me is my relationship to God and like to my God, how I define my higher power.
0: That's true. Yeah. I think looking at that list also for me, it would seem scary and traumatic to be married to someone who doesn't have the same emotional understanding or pathway like if you constantly had to go outside of your nesting relationship for that that would be really hard for me <laughs> yeah,
1: totally totally what do you talk about like what are you Football? Like I just like, what are you? Yeah, totally. And I just think like all of our values are in alignment. And I told Joe, like in the kitchen, like, look, if the day comes where you find a partner who is a match for you domestically, romantically, emotionally, spiritually, politically, pop culturally, and artistically to the extent that I am, which is like a hundred percent in almost all those categories, and and you have the best sex with them and your and your sexual chemistry is a hundred percent or 80 or whatever it is higher than ours and you want to renegotiate the nature of our nested relationship essentially divorce me and begin nesting with them instead like okay like let me know that's relationship anarchy and that's true marriage anyway is to constantly be saying should we still be married should we still be in relationship and my answer was yes
0: yeah absolutely especially with just we have children together, too, and you're the person I want to parent with. And,
1: See, that's what I'm talking uh, about. And,
0: you know, we make a really great family, and our kids love us, you know, as a as a family unit. And I can't believe so... I didn't
1: put parenting on there, but I guess all these things make up our values as parents. Like, we are bomb co-parents. Whether or not we're having sex, like, we are bomb co-parents. We get along we Mm -hmm. literally get along we are not sitting at home in this like really gray dismal marriage refusing to get divorced because we've now come out as polyam content creators and have to have this illusion of being happy we are genuinely super happy
0: yeah yeah absolutely 100% and and
1: super in love and I love there is no one else that I want to raise my children with because no one else gets me Mm -hmm. yeah um and lastly why stay married uh capitalism Because if I have to survive this capitalist hellscape, I want to do it with some wine. Shout out to all the solo poly people who really prefer surviving alone. I think that's fucking rad. I'm not wired that way. Also, we live in like the sixth most expensive city in America right now. Go figure. Reno, Nevada.
0: Reno, Nevada.
1: (laughs) So like, you know, the house on the corner from us, three bedroom, two bath, sold for $800,000 a couple months ago. Like, This is the reality that we're living in.
0: Sold for six, I think, the year before.
1: Yeah, sold for six the year before and four two years before that. So I have to survive with someone and I choose Joe. And there's a whole thing happening with Gen Z and even millennials right now a little bit on TikTok uh, where people are saying to marry your best friend. So people are marrying their best friends and creating TikToks around their experience. And some of them aren't even identifying as polyamorous because they aren't actually like they don't consider themselves romantically or sexually involved. So they are still monogamous and they have other partners, but they chose marriage. That
0: is so cool.
1: It's so cool. They chose marriage with their best friend because they're like, look, this relationship probably gonna end. Like my boyfriend, we're probably not gonna make it very long. Me and my best friend, we're gonna be best friends forever. And I wanna have a family. It's a lot of queer folks doing this, by the way. They're like, I wanna have a family. And I want to have a family with this person because I think we would make a dope-ass family and dope-ass co-parents, and that's going to be the how I want to raise my children.
0: Yeah, how beautiful is that?
1: I think it's cool. It's very triggering. If you go into the comments on these TikToks, people are very upset. Um, Why? <laughs> because, because, because... because Queer people redefine systems for themselves in ways that work and it subverts. And when a system is subverted and you don't have the emotional intelligence or, in my case, probably the neurodivergence, it requires to be like, oh, that makes sense. Like, it's just very upsetting to people because it makes them question the nature of what they have. And I think sometimes you are fed a cultural script and you don't have maybe the neurodivergence that allows you to question that cultural script and so you buy into it a lot of people who didn't want kids who had kids talk a lot about like oh well i was just told that that's what i had to do and then people come along going yeah i'm not gonna have kids and it subverts that script and it's very upsetting yeah So I think it's cool too. Um, If you're listening to this and you would like some peer support around a similar situation that you're having, um, head to remodeledlove.com, click on our peer support page. You can work with just me. You can work with me and Joe. Um, Joe is going to be on on break from, from teaching at the university here for like six weeks and we'll be able to open up a lot of peer support sessions with both of us. We would really love to help you Uh, negotiate conversations difficult conversations emotions you might be having if you resonate with this story at all we're here for you you're not alone
0: yeah we are here for you we love you and
1: there's nothing wrong with you absolutely yeah um if you want to join our patreon if you believe in what we're doing and you want to support us the best thing you can do is um go to remodeledlove.com click on the link to join our patreon we also have a bomb discord that is just blowing up right now we are so proud of this discord server because it's a space where people are chatting from all over the world all day long that i can guarantee you is not a toxic polyamorous space reddit polyamory is toxic. Most Facebook groups are now toxic. We created this Discord server so that we could have a space to guarantee that conversation is happening with people who believe in the Remodeled Love mission. And it's totally free. It's not monetized at all. You can join it for free. Usually the link is expired in our Discord server because it expires every few days. So if you need to email us, you can do so through our website and I will send you a personal invitation to join the server. Um, Share our content. That's one of the best things things you can do you can shoot us a tip if the uh, vulnerability and emotional labor that we put into this episode today stirred something within you and you want to tip us you can do so through our website we've got venmo paypal up there and um we are just so in love with all of you and so honored that you are on this journey with us
0: yes we are here to redefine love
1: you're listening to remodel the podcast In love just
0: a little, oh, a little bit Every day with someone new I fall in love just a little, oh, a little bit Every day with someone new